Hey, hey, you two. I want to thank you guys for coming down to my lab today. Do you oh, know? Oh, lab. I, it means a lot that you took that, that long trek down here. You go, yeah. went down that, that seemingly infinite spiral staircase that we have. Yeah. And it had that looping music. Yeah, but it sounds like it goes on forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. I really appreciate. I really appreciate you guys coming down here today. Well, we don't do it often, but it feels right. Yeah, and there are no ulterior motives to having you down here either, which is which is great and a normal thing to say to friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly true, or else you wouldn't say it. Yeah, definitely. No, absolutely. Why don't you, hey Kyle? Why don't you open up that mini fridge? grab a coca-cola emily why don't you go hang out by that active tesla coil we're hanging out oh all right okay hanging out yeah emily you do your thing i'm gonna do my thing (laughs) set this fridge is filled with milk milk yeah it's canned milk it's a weird thing to mm, have in here i think it's coke milk uh, oh, wow. This is worse. And this Tesla coil has skeletons around it. <laughs> no, that's milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's dehydrated milk. <laughs> Very dehydrated. Can I ask you two a question that I ask everyone who comes down here? <laughs> yeah. Is it the last question they ever hear? <laughs> no, no, no. That'd be crazy. Guys, I'm not crazy. Have you ever seen something so awful that it became beautiful? Oh. Wow. Uh, are we about to? Answer the question, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe like those cartoons, like, uh, the, like the Mad TV, like the Mad Magazine cartoons, you know? Okay. You think they're awful, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're beautiful now. No, I, I guess that's true. You've been, con- you've been convinced that they're beautiful now, huh? Yeah. Okay. A lot of people put a lot of work into those. <laughs> I would argue pro- one person puts a lot of work into them. Not anymore. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, you, you've never seen it, something so awful that it became beautiful. I, I don't think so. I'm really racking my brain here, but I think when something's bad, it's bad. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Wow. I've wow, never wow, changed wow, my wow. mind in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. I'm... Seth Glicksman here with Emily Moyers. Just, just me. Uh, and oh, I and guess he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kyle Imperator. Wow. And today, I lied. Frickin' frick. <gasps> you thought you could just come down here and not immediately be inundated with the ultimate source of knowledge and power as it pertains to words, the lexiconicon? 
Oh my god. I hate hanging out with one of you two. And besides that, I thought that maybe one of you would have brought food. I'm starving. I have to go up that infinite spiral staircase to get anything to eat and even further for Applebee specifically. And I don't have the elevator key like Kyle does. All right. Yeah, I chose to take the stairs. Yeah. It felt like you were rubbing it in. Yeah, Kyle, this is why he only doesn't like hanging out with one of us. <laughs> That's definitely true. You gotta step up your game, Emily. Let's just get straight to it, you jerks. All right? Yeah, oh, Listen, okay. The Lexiconicon has unlocked a power in me I didn't think mankind could ever hold. Wow. Oh. The Lexiconicon just keeps well, bet, unfolding. Yeah. I can put as much frozen yogurt in a cup without Ugh. the scale ever bringing me over $5. <laughs> but also necromancy <laughs> which is more aligned with that which i intend to do with this episode than the frozen yogurt thing oh no can we do the frozen yogurt instead <laughs> maybe later maybe later are you gonna bring the dehydrated milk skeletons to life is that gonna mm. happen no see today oh. my friend and company while thumbing through those <laughs> subversive sheets of sinful synonyms, the lexiconicon, I found the word which will grant me the power to bring life from the dead. <gasps> Would you like to hear it? Yes. The word is flarf. No. Nope. F nope. L A. I'm going back up the stairs. Flarf. Doors are locked, Kyle. Doors are locked. Get. The doors what, are you, locked. You thought I wouldn't lock the doors? You thought you thought you could just walk out once you're in my lab? How did this can of kilk magically regenerate? <laughs> kilk with a C. Yum. <laughs> it goes down smooth and it comes out smooth. <laughs> Why don't you two give this one a swing, huh? Feel that, feel flarf. that in your mouth with the with the kilk. Say it. Say flarf. Um, flarf. I, Emily, do you have anything to go on? Like, does flarf have a part of speech? Uh, a few, yeah. A few. <laughs> what are the few? So it's an interjection. Gotta be an interjection. Absolutely not an interjection. Uh, it's a noun, <laughs> verb, and adjective. Or no. rather, it has an adjectival form. You can flarf, and something can be flarful. Flarful? <laughs> no, it would be flarfy. flarfy. Flarfy? And something is a flarf? Uh, uh, or is it un It would be flarf. Something would be flarf, yeah, Like marshmallow flarf? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's marshmallow flarf. <laughs> yeah, I mean Seth, if I had to take a wild stab at this take flarf is I don't know, uh some sort of scale from a mythical beast. I'm I do have like a hint. A, like a sci-fi oh, vibe. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you'd like the hint? If we can still yeah. have it, I don't know we if we would. missed the the window. I don't window know. Kyle's really pushing his limits today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, your hint is you're not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, then tell us, you schmuck. I'm not going to lie to you too. Listen, listen. I listen to the podcast. Okay, it's fine. Oh, oh you Honestly, do. Honestly, <laughs> if I can say anything, 
Your producer's doing the Lord's work, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Not wrong. And I know that this is typically where you define the word and the etymology, and it's all just a big laugh. (laughs) But this is more serious than that. This is life and death, or rather bringing life out of death. Yeah. So instead of dawdling on definitions... Why don't you just come with me and get into this time machine I built, all right? And yes, I said time machine. I do a lot of stuff down here, okay? Kyle, I think we should let him out more. You give me a lot of weird privileges, like a key that locks the door from the inside. (laughs) (laughs) And the lexiconicon. The lexiconicon, yeah, that's we really shouldn't leave that with you. Yeah, and the kilk fridge. (laughs) Well, that one might have just sort of gotten there by accident and time i think it used uh. to be coke <laughs> <laughs> oh. um yeah emily why not like let's get in you getting in i guess we have yeah. no choice you really you really don't otherwise i just turn the power up on that tesla coil so come on let's get in here <laughs> yeah all right no, i'm i'm glad to get into the time machine because it means our producer will have to do all sorts of time machine noises oh, oh. that's right everybody hold on <laughs> 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 Here we are. (laughs) Emily was a little delayed. She was hanging on the back end. I don't think Kyle landed at all, though. You just floated down. No grunt. The constitution on this man is unreal. (laughs) (laughs) The year is 2001, but the good part. Okay. Yeah. And even though it's 23 years ago, I still insist that our past selves are wearing brown leather vests over paisley button downs, <laughs> unbuttoned to the third button, because whenever you go back in time, it's the 70s, even though it's 2001. That's right. And I love both of your handlebar mustaches. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, it's, it's 2001. And baby, we're on the internet. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> right. I forgot it wasn't the 70s. <laughs> yeah, no, there's the, the internet. Are you too familiar with what a listserv is? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Not only are you too familiar, but you're pissed as hell about them. <laughs> you got some hard-hitting opinions about listservs. Well, I guess to say that I know what it is is a slight exaggeration. I know that I am supposed to be on one for grad school. Yes. But I barely understand what I what it is that I'm on. <laughs> and grad school's going great. <laughs> it's just like a mailing list you subscribe to, right? Yeah. An email yeah. list. Exactly. It's it's an email list. There is moderation and privacy features. It's like an online forum that you that you get to your email essentially. Yeah. yeah. And it gets distributed to everybody who subscribes to it and everyone who subscribed can respond and contribute as well. Now, generally, that platform has fallen out of chic and is typically used in sort of like I don't, niche is the wrong word, but you're sort of closed groups like what you're using it for. Yeah, Emily. like an like, institution. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The sort of oversaturated social media market sort of took listservs down because there's just a thousand other ways to communicate with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And hey, we're talking about 2001. MySpace hasn't even been created. So YouTube hasn't even... And that does the same thing. (laughs) That does the same thing. (laughs) But so listservs are big at this time. There are feminist listservs, environmentalist listservs, lawyer listservs, tech listservs, and many, many more. 
And it's on one of these listservs where our journey begins. <gasps> so let me whip this time machine on over to what I assume is the apartment window of the poet, Gary Sullivan. Oh, oh, oh. oh there he is. <laughs> there he is. See? Yes, oh. I see him. <laughs> Sullivan. Gary. No, don't. No, you, Gary, Kyle, have you never seen Back Kyle, to the Future? Are you kidding we me? We can't disturb what? the progress of time, Kyle. What? It's like, what are you doing? Like, you broke the Kyle, rule immediately. We could go back to our own time and, like, Biff is in charge of all our houses. <laughs> yeah, and, like, literally the Biff from the movie. <laughs> just because of what you just did. <laughs> Jesus. See, Sullivan is noticing a bunch of folks on the women's poetry listserv who are remarking on their names showing up attributed to poetry they hadn't written, specifically on one particular website, which leads to the elephant in the room. And considering that we're all standing in the same room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I was wondering why that was here. Definitely. I know exactly. Wait, hold on. Let me just... Mm, Refreshing. I definitely know. Mm -hmm. Kyle needs to drink his kilk to fully realize what's happening in his environment. It's become a problem. That's right. This poster board, which has been here the whole time in this surprisingly spacious time machine, which reads International Library of Poetry. Are you too familiar with the International Library of Poetry? You might be. Um, I don't think so. Hold on. Let me see. Don't look it up. <laughs> Hold on. Let me look up all the information about it. Um, let me maybe Google not. the word flarf while I'm at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, Seth. Yeah, tell us. Okay, well, dedicated to celebrating poets around the world, the International Library of Poetry held a contest where you could submit your poem to be judged by what one could assume was a panel of the best in the field. And if selected, that poem would then be published in an anthology, granting writers everywhere the opportunity for a professional literary credit. Lovely. Have you ever had your poetry published this way? No. Because I actually, I have. Oh. Like years and years ago. I can't remember exactly what poem it was, but I, I remember finding, I think it might've actually been this website. I submitted something I wrote in like ninth grade English and it got, it got accepted and like was posted on the, on the site. And it was really exciting for me. It's wow. a, it's a wonderful thing really. Except I lied again. <laughs> How can we trust a word this man says? I know, I dastardly. Because what Sullivan was witnessing is that this listserv was realizing something he'd already discovered not more than a year prior when his grandfather boasted that very same credit. It turns out that the International Library of Poetry would ask for a fee of $50 from all of the entrants, and that anthology was only available by special order. Sullivan was putting together some pieces. So naturally, he decided to enter the contest himself, and here was his entry. Now, a warning to our audience, there's some language in this poem, which I'm going to use, but I'll bleep it out. If you'd like to hear that language, however, the uncensored version will be on our Patreon. The poem is titled, Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's true. Big birds make big do. I got fire inside my huppa-chimp trademark. Gonna be aggressive. Greasy. Oh, yeah, God. Wanna doot-doot? Hey, ooh yeah, baby, gonna shake and bake and then take all your money, honey. Tee-hee, ugga-dugga-bugga-bigga-bugga-mugga. Hey, hey, you stupid. Get off the paddy field and get 
Me some chocolate quick. Put a Q-tip in it and stir it up sick. Paka-maka-chaka-laka-ding-dong. Oh, it's so sad, that syndrome. What's it called? Tourette's? Make me hype. Shout out loud, because I love thee. Thank you, God, for listening. Oh. <laughs> I mean, a classic. A classic. classic. <laughs> Eminem went on to take that, right? He went on to take it, as rappers often do in their craft. <laughs> they go on to take things. That's right. That's right. It's a genre defined by honesty. <laughs> Naturally, this was unacceptable to just about anyone who's ever spent a minute in a craft of poetry course. And naturally, this is what the International Library of Poetry had to say in response. Gary, over the past year, we have conducted an exhaustive examination of over 1.2 million poems that have been submitted to us. Only a small percentage of individuals whose poems we have reviewed were selected to be part of this distinguished project. Mm-hmm was selected for publication because it sparks the imagination and provides the reader with a fresh, unique perspective on life. We believe it will add to the importance and appeal of this special edition. Thus, Sullivan discovered that the International Library of Poetry, otherwise known as Poetry.com at the time, was a scam. It <laughs> yeah. is Poetry.com. That's wow. what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. There was no selection process. There were no judges. There was merely a promise of having your poem published in what was essentially a one-off printed edition of randomly selected poems, including your own. Jeez Louise. That is <laughs> yeah. insane. Now, if you're curious, yes, Poetry.com still exists today. However, <laughs> the International Library of Poetry specifically does not. But there still is a contest which claims you have the, quote, opportunity to win cash prizes and attain uh, global acclaim for your talent. That's well, crazy. that's very suspicious. <laughs> Isn't it just a little suspicious? It's really weird. I looked into it and apparently, like... It's like changed hands a couple of times and almost every time like it's been like some weird holding group that's taken it over and it's oh. like yeah we're really into spreading poetry but also money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now the scam was even bigger than the anthology flim flam in that if you did pay for that anthology you were given a discount to attend their convention as a semi-finalist which may have wow. actually informed some of those participants of the scam as they'd get there with their books and look at other semi-finalist books and see that they were totally different books specifically pushing each individual's poem to the front of the book. Yeah. Now... You're probably wondering in this comfortably air-conditioned and somehow Applebee's-catered time machine, where does <laughs> Flarf come into all of this? Yes. I am wondering that. Yes. Right? But this yeah. Applebee's is great. Right, right? It really is. And I am glad to be eating good in the neighborhood with <laughs> you two right. right now. That's right. Because I'll tell you where, you knuckleheads. Oh. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Kyle. I you really snapped you. back there, really, Seth. I, that won't really hurt, you know. I for, I forgot about your your knucklehead aunt that you have, <laughs> who's terminally a knucklehead, <laughs> and it's close to home, you know. Yeah, no, I I shouldn't have said it. I'm sorry. I said all that stuff in the poem, and I knew that that wouldn't offend anybody. But <laughs> <laughs> they're saying within six months you might be a knuckle sandwich. No. <laughs> Her beautiful spirit. <laughs> <laughs> See, 
After Sullivan received his much undeserved praise from the International Library of Poetry, he decided to send it along to the sub-poetics listserv he subscribed to, encouraging others to submit to the contest as well. And they did. Writers subscribed to the listserv, started sending off a bunch of poems to the contest, and more importantly, to one another. Now, this was a tricky bit to get to the bottom of, and I'm not certain, but finally, I can give you the supposed etymology of Flarf. See, as these writers sent off poems with titles such as Crucifixion Crossing, spelled X-ing, or As Dolphins Langer, Sullivan (laughs) apparently would write a poem titled Flarf Balonacy Swingle. And I say apparently here because I could not, for the life of me, track this poem down, which I'm very sorry about, but even (sighs) Sullivan's own record of Flarf doesn't seem to assume he coined it. Nevertheless, it's this poem which is credited as the first usage of Flarf as it pertains to this style of poetry. And this is interesting, because as these intentionally bad poems made their rounds on the listserv, so did new methods of making intentionally bad poems. New methods which would, in so many ways, come to define what Flarf is. Is Flarf the style of poetry? It is, Kyle. It You've is. already sold us on Flarf, Seth. You're sold on Flarf? I'm sold on I, Flarf. Uh, oh, Emily's not sold on uh, Flarf. Yeah. Emily hates Flarf. <laughs> I just need more information, you know? Here, t- try some of this kilk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kyle's getting a little high on that kilk. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so what is Flarf? That's the root of your question here. Yeah. Well, One way in which poets decided to create Flarf was through the use of Google, or what was called Google sculpting. In fact, this would be the method that majorly defined the movement as something very unique to the 21st century and markedly different from what's called found poetry. They'd type two random words into Google and just draw from that singular results page all of the text for their poem, and they could do whatever they wanted to with that text. Interesting. That is interesting. There's an unfortunate weakness I have on our adventure here to draw upon such poems because, one, it's remarkably difficult to find these poems, and two, even more so to know how they divined them. So, Just to give us a taste of some flarf, here is an excerpt from the poem Chicks Dig War by the poet Drew Gardner, known for his Google sculpting, but with no evidence to say that this is how this particular poem came to be. Sure. Story time, Trojan War, part two. The Trojan War, chicks dig it. And such hits as Chicks Dig War. Wizards have landed on my face. God made girls who like war and Colin Powell's The Lay of the Land. More women than men are enjoying the war with two-fisted truth before changing clothes by portraying war as chicks digging the phones of war. Phallocentric chicks, they dig guys with big wars. I just cannot, you know, believe in a war against chicks when they've got the anti-chick war thing going on. The women will be like, oh, what a cute war. Uh, was that I mean, the whole poem? No, that's an excerpt. Yeah, I'm... I. I totally understand what he's getting at there, you know? <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yeah. Kyle's yeah. such a liar. No, I mean, it's great. I especially, the Colin Powell part really spoke to me. I'm very confused by that poem. So what are you confused about, Emily? Well, actually. Chicks dig war. <laughs> I guess, I guess it's unfair to say confused because poem, poems are poems, you know? Well, well, talk to me about where your confusion is. 
just felt like a blob of words. It felt like a blob of words. But that is that is sometimes how written poetry is, uh, you know. Emily, like I'm not Emily, I'm Emily? not out here to insult Allen Ginsberg, you know. There's a Jackbox Emily? game that plays like this. Like you you have like a, s- a set of words and you can only it's use like those words. It's like fridge magnet poetry. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, the thing yeah. is 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 you don't have a set amount of words. What would happen is that you know you would do a Google search, you'd find this text, and then you could just bastardize the text however you wanted to make something even worse than what you have. Sure. You're just kind of using that as inspiration as like a base. Not even <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. All right. So let's suddenly this group of poets was inventing an entirely new movement of poetry, which was ruffling some significant feathers in the poetry world, which is exactly what you two are talking about. No longer was this just a prank on some scam institution. This was a prank on the institution and Sullivan and others knew it. Sullivan would write a play again, which I could not find anywhere, titled Angry at God, which he deemed a flarf play. And the aforementioned Drew Gardner would actually produce an album of flarf music, though it's really just jazz under spoken word. Sure. But the form was never really defined beyond the intentional approach to produce something awful. So here comes the paradox, which you guys are already tapping into. Are you seeing where the paradox is here? Because, Emily, you're kind of touching it. It, like you can analyze anything <laughs> and you can make meaning out of anything you absolutely can Emily. that is that is the basis for my favorite genre of poetry which is imagist poetry which is like the poet basically just writes an image with no like action or meaning or anything and like you can either impress whatever meaning you want to upon it or you can just enjoy it on a surface level and put no meaning on it that's beautiful now how but how do you feel that the the poets themselves are angled at writing intentionally bad poetry but like authorial intent doesn't even matter (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Death of the author. Death of the author. It's my favorite thing in literary criticism. The author's intent doesn't matter because once they have published a thing, they have no more ownership of it than the reader does because it's done. So then the question I have for you is if this poem is published under the premise that it is Flarf poetry, then you are informed that this poem was written with no intentional meaning. Sure. And like you can choose to let that inform your reading of it. But if someone reads it and they like whatever perspective they're coming at it from, they might find meaning in it. And that meaning is just as valid as any other or none. Yeah, I'm with Emily. (laughs) Exquisite, you two. Yeah, no, essentially what started as a movement to draw attention to awful poetry became a movement defined by awfulness or flarfiness, <laughs> which became a movement celebrating poetry, which then established its own standards and thus became acceptable poetry. I I see, I see, I see. <laughs> yeah. So it was intentionally awful, but it it started to get an awful structure to where it could be so awful it was beautiful. Oh, Kyle. He ties it all in. Look at how he does it. Look at how my boy moves this precious We gotta boy. get more kilk in this boy. <laughs> Please, I'm overflowing. <laughs> Your bones are, I guess, becoming 
Porous. <laughs> now, I have another uh, Flarf poem for you. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. This is called Echo, a letter starting. Echo, a letter starting, dearest we. Unsigned, remarkably brief, but covering one complete miracle of nearest far. I cordially invite me to become no one except yourselves, RSVP. She cannot read or write. Lamoon employs a very crazily how clown like that this quickly go scribbling from there to where name unless I'm mistaken Shova Soiree whose grammar is atrocious but so what Princess Celine doesn't know a thing who's much too busy being her beautiful yes the place is now let us accept the time forever and you'll wear your silver shoes yeah I, I would love to see how this is written like how it's you, presented like visually Are there stanzas yeah you would That's you fair. would right well i did a little prank on you just then that was actually an ee e. cummings poem <laughs> 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 and that is to draw that is. attention to the fact that it's you see a convergence here happening yeah where there is there is beauty to be found in something that is very ugly and there is ugliness used to find something very beautiful it's 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 all it's in the eye of the beholder, you know. It's in the eye of the beholder, but the idea of it being in the eye of the beholder winds up becoming transgressive to the idea of the movement because the intention has always been to make something awful. So if you are ever getting to a point where you're like, well, this is actually beautiful, it kind of undermines the idea of what flarf is. Sure. So here now is a flarf poem titled "Dear Head Nation" by Kaysalim Mohammed another major player in the Flarf movement. If the deer are all armored like that, you may have hit the nail on the head. Giant oil companies behind this, Bush scared me because he always sniffs at the air like a deer. Parentheses, not a war blog, end parentheses. And you can kind of sense there's like a gravity <laughs> to that poem which exceeds the rules of awfulness there, right? Yeah. Sure. Like just the mere invocation of Bush and the oil companies implies a yeah. political gravity. Yeah, yeah, like just the choice of the words, like regardless of how they're put together, like insinuates some sure, sort of. But because we are coming at it from a perspective of knowing that, like if if an alien came and who knew nothing about culture just looked at that string of words. <laughs> He'd be like, like I can't read this at all. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like the reader impresses meaning upon it based on their experiences, their perspective. It's all poetry. That's everything. Well, that's exactly that's what, what I'm say. saying. But is that, but let me see, see that seems, hmm, that seems slippery, slidey, you know? I don't know. Saying everything's poetry seems, hmm, kind of takes the. It's all poetry. Are you kidding me? Very interesting. Very interesting opinions from you two today. Love it. Oh, I mean, I wasn't saying everything's poetry. I'm saying oh. poetry. Everything's poetry, man. Are you kidding me? But aren't you <laughs> implying that everything is poetry when you say something like death of the author? It, it means that anything, and this sort of goes into the discussion about like Duchamp and, and the fountain. I was literally just going to bring that up. <laughs> where it's like anything can be art. If someone but says it's art. If sa someone says it's art. And doesn't that sort of denigrate the term art? Well, I guess there's different perspectives. 
I'm sorry. We just, I, it seems the time machine seems to have gone wonky and we've pulled up to a gas station in the middle of the <laughs> desert where we were discussing to the simpleton behind the, the gas pump. And we said, what do you think of this poem? And the, the gas station well, attendant said, I guess there's different perspectives. <laughs> different strokes for different folks, I guess. <laughs> now pass me a cold kilk. <laughs> Man, why can I see through this guy's stomach? <laughs> so, so, but yeah, this all puts into, into question what actually is awful. And others have remarked on this. A major source for this episode, besides my time machine, of course, has been Jim Murdoch, a poet himself, who says, I suppose... One has to ask whether Flarf calls on different abilities to those needed to compose poetry in the raw. Anyone can cut out pictures from magazines, paste them onto a backing sheet, and call the end result art. And why is it not? Yeah. Oh, that was a yeah! <laughs> Which, the fountain is art, because he said it is. <laughs> well, that's interesting, because, well, I know that you're just saying that. You're just saying that, right, Emery? You're just saying that. You don't mean that. <laughs> Because what you just said sort of undermines the idea of author, uh, authorial ownership. What? Well, if if, he, if you're saying it's yeah. art because he says it is. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Well, I guess how I feel is something can be art because the artist says that it is, but like your interpretation of it is your own. So we can still say that it's not art. If you don't feel that it is, then sure. Or you could just say, like, I, I, like, you get no meaning out of it. And, like, that's fair. Like, that is your... How do I enforce my beliefs on others, though? No, 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 no. That's what you can't do. How do I make that happen? You started a religion, didn't you? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Is that... Oh, Kyle, hot take. Is that how you enforce beliefs upon others? (laughs) Yeah, literally. Um, I just want to say, I want to say, I want to say... I think that everything is art regardless of what people believe. <laughs> so you might think something's not art, but it still is. I objectively, everything is art. The the Chinese food leftovers in Kyle's fridge, those are art, art, baby. Because, because That's there's a the war potential. Crime. There's the potential. <laughs> well, it's only been there for a couple, like six, Weeks. seven years. Yeah. But like, it's, everything has the potential to be art because anything can have the perspective like anyone can have the perspective that something is, is art man. so that the because the potential is there it just it must be art wow this is a deep this is, this is a heavy this is a heavy episode yeah. i'm so glad yeah. that i've sparked the this flarf in you. brings it out yeah. the flarf <laughs> brings it out you're talking to a couple of liberal arts majors in oh, here, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but all of this leads to a lot of conversation about how Flarf aimed to poke fun at poetry, which took itself too seriously, and yet still somehow winds up taking itself seriously. You'll notice I've mentioned a few major players in Flarf or Flarfists. These <laughs> were the folks who were creating the work in the listserv, establishing a movement and setting parameters for that movement. Dan Hoy, a critic of Flarf, wrote the essay. The Virtual Dependency of the Post-Avant and the Problematics of Flarf. What happens when poets spend too much time f***ing around on the internet? In which he doesn't deem Flarf as anything more than collage. So 
there is this battle that's going on between intellectualism and anti-intellectualism where the anti-intellectualists are also sort of at war with themselves and so are the intellectualists (laughs) and no one knows what to do about flarf (laughs) (laughs) that's art man nobody can agree on what it is that's what makes it art that's what makes it punk (laughs) man your paisley button down is vibrant right now man (laughs) and so kyle on your point What's interesting about Flarf is that there becomes an insistence upon this idea of democratization. An article on Flarf by Aaron Bels on opensource.com looks at the form through the lens of open source art specifically, remarking on the collage-like elements, stating that this idea of repurposing text in this way almost achieves that definition of open source because it's sort of taking authorship away from these things they're finding and creating something new. However, the same article goes on to say, but then the author then puts his name on that, which undermines the open source elements, but opens it up to the idea of like everything can be art. I mean, the the whole collage aspect, like every piece of art in quotes, like is just everything is inspired. Yeah, Yeah, it's what we've digested. Yes. To create. So like everything's collage. This is just more blatantly collage but even then it's but it's vaguely not. collage because yeah. it's so abstract yeah yeah it, it would be like a collage if you could take the magazine cut up the pieces and then change the pieces so that they look more like what you want them to look like and then put them together in a way that looks awful <laughs> <laughs> but then at that point it is just new art <laughs> it's new art now yeah. what's even more fun is that flarfus recognizes this sort of growing elitism in their ranks because Flarfists became known as Flarfists. And they wound up playing with it by establishing a mock rival in the school of conceptualist poetry. Now, conceptualism is a thing unto itself in poetry, interestingly, also stemming from the early 21st century. However, it definitely has roots in Ulipo. It's been described as uncreative writing in the fact that it is determined more by process than anything else. The The end result is, is sort of tangential to what you do to get there. And in the words of Vanessa Place in a piece titled Why Conceptualism is Better Than Flarf, she says, Flarf is never about anything but poetry itself. Conceptualism is allegorical. It is about things other than poetry itself. And so now you're wondering, Seth... <laughs> How are we to resurrect the dead with this information? Am I to believe that that three cheese chicken penne from the two for 20 menu at Applebee's will be our guide across the river sticks? (laughs) And I say, no, that's a delicious meal you can get for cheap if you go halvesies with a friend. But Flarf was a movement (laughs) and much like listservs started to see an eventual decline. For 10 solid years, there was a hubbub about Flarf in the poetry community. But since about 2011, we've been in a post-Flarf world. And I'm not just making that up. People have said those words. Nada Gordon, (laughs) a Flarfist herself, said those words. Gordon stated, It's almost as if Flarf emerged partly as an explosion of repressed lyricism that was avant-gardishly self-justifying and that it used the mask of appropriation to say what the murkiest parts of ourselves wanted to say. You might have missed that. I think what she's trying to say, and this is just what I think, 
is that for a long time, people felt like lyricism was cliche and overdone in poetry. And she's implying that Flarf was a way to sort of shit on that poetry establishment in order to make it so that lyricism would be cherished again. And then she backs this up by remarking that a lot of Flarfists have since returned to the lyric form in their poetry. Fascinating. Yeah. That is fascinating. She sort of talks about how a lot of the folks who were in that listserv were sort of looking for a way to get away from that lyrical form of poetry. And then this sort of started and they were like, yes, oh, yes, finally. But then they were like, <laughs> I just needed to get that out because I, I just kind of want to be taken seriously for the good work that I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Flarf is like the bastard child of poetry. No one really wants it, you know? Yeah, yes, except uh, except for Gary Sullivan. I think he was, uh, there is a Flarf festival, to I believe, oh. that still runs to this day. A Flarfstival? Uh, I don't think they call it that. <laughs> <laughs> they should. <laughs> so how will we use Flarf to bring back the dead? We will speak it. In fact, here's your sort of payoff. Flarf is actually defined by Sullivan as such. Flarf, a noun. A quality of intentional or unintentional flarfiness. A kind of corrosive, cute, or cloying awfulness. Wrong, un-PC, out of control, not okay. Flarf, a verb. To bring out the inherent awfulness, etc., of some pre-existing text. Flarfy, adjective. To be wrong, awkward, stumbling, semi-coherent, f***ed up, un-PC, to take unexpected turns, to be jarring, doing what one is, quote, not supposed to do. And finally, flarf, noun, the work of a community of poets dedicated to exploration of flarfiness. Heavy usage of Google search results in the creation of poems, plays, etc., though not exclusively Google-based. Community, in the sense that one example leads to another's reply, is, in some part, contingent upon community interaction of this sort. Poems created, revised, changed by others, incorporated, plagiarized, etc., in semi-public. That is what flarf is. And so, let's go back to the year 2024. Are you ready? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh, it sucks then. Hang on! (laughs) And Kyle, I don't think your bones are going to be as strong with as much kilk as you got inside (laughs) you right now. So, just keep it together. Just reconstitute me when we get back. Here we are. 2024. Kyle felt he turned into goo when he landed. (laughs) I'm a flubber now. (laughs) And we love you more because of it. That's right. You're so awful, you're beautiful. You've been flarfed. (laughs) (laughs) Now we live in a world where almost every person you see on screen and in text takes themselves way too seriously. It is time more now than ever to undermine that ego. We will flarf. We will revive flarf. We will take these words and make something hideous, detestable. We will drag from that which is holy everything which makes it awful. And to commence this necromancy, the revival of Flarf, we will read our final Flarf of the evening. This is from a book of Flarf poetry titled, Literally, Ten Reasons Why I'm a Little Bitch, Smiley Face, (laughs) by Walter Mackey. The poem titled, Best Trance Music. What I see in the mirror, Moby. I know that voice. Is it Leonardo DiCaprio or is it Jack Nicholson? We have no idea. Actually, yes, we do. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. 
doing one of his famous farts to clear the area and to get himself room to breathe. I have the freedom to do anything, but not everything is helpful. I have the freedom to do anything, but I won't be controlled by anything. Jesus is a bitch when my life is going this way and he refuses to help. LOL, because Jesus is a bitch, smiley face. Izzy Wells posted to God, July 2nd at 5.13 a.m. God is not real and Jesus is a bitch. Like, comment, like, 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 like. I wish I could like this twice. Favorite. And thus it is spoken. <laughs> Flarf is alive again. And my challenge <laughs> to the listeners, go out there and Flarf. Show people something awful. Convince them it's art. Convince yourself it's art. Whatever. Now, what do you two think of Flarf? I'm all about it. You're all yes, about me it. Too. Me too. It's it's punk. And like now now that I understand it better, there absolutely is stuff that I love because it's awful. Now that I'm thinking about it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Am I one of those things? <laughs> no, Kyle, you're beautiful through oh, and through. Emily, you have your foot oh. in his flubber. Just <laughs> 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 wipe, wipe, wipe that off. Yeah, I got it. Ah! <laughs> hey. Do you two want to play a game? Yeah. Yeah, I'm scared by the game, but I do. Oh, don't be. It's fine. Well, Google sculpting is a method by which poems can be constructed. It's only one of the many things which the advent of Google has gifted the world of the curious. Among them is something called Google whacking. Are either of you familiar uh, with this phenomena? No, but I'm trying to figure out what it's going to end up being a pun on. <laughs> so, Kyle's thought of something completely something crass to depraved. say. No, it's just absolutely it's immoral. Devious. Whatever he's it's thinking. Devious. Devious. Yeah, devious. This is about your flubber now. Now, <laughs> nearly obsolete, Google whacking is a game played similarly to Kaysali Muhammad's method of flarfing. By entering two random words into Google search in hopes of receiving exactly one result. There's a fantastic book and accompanying comedy show titled Dave Gorman's Google Whack Adventure, whereby Gorman uses an initial Google Whack to then pursue and meet the owner of the singular result, requesting another Google Whack from them, until I believe he tries to reach 15 Google Whacks. Wow. Oh, 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 oh. So you're trying to get only one response one thing, back one from, website. from the search engine. I yeah, see. Yeah, Wow. Now, today, Google Whacks don't really happen because Google, like many early 2000s internet monoliths, has become a shadow of its former self. So our game today is going to be a little different. For three rounds, I'm going to have you both give me two random words. Whichever of you racks up the least results across the three rounds wins. <sighs> That's, That's so fun. hard. Okay. That's fun. It's, it's gonna, this should go quick, all right? Yeah. Emily? What are your two oh, words for round one? I have, I have no idea. I have no idea. Two random oh words. God. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Groundhog and shampoo. <laughs> okay. All right, Kyle, what are your words? My two words are pierogi and narcotics. All right. Let's see what, <laughs> let's see what we get. All right, Emily, you start the round with 658,000 results. And Kyle, Pierogi Narcotics yields us 48,900 results. Kyle is in the lead. All right, yeah. Kyle, you'll go first this round. 
Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Methylate? Are you uh, methylate? Maybe that, yeah, maybe that's it. And parsimonious. <laughs> Kyle's playing hardball. All right. Emily, it is your go. Two random words. <sighs> okay. Um, rayon. Ooh. And, um, um, defenestrate. <laughs> rayon, defenestrate. All right. The results are in. Wowie wow, we wowie wow. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, you have dragged yourself behind with 1,110 results with Rayon <laughs> Defenestrate. What? And Kyle uh. Merthiolate Parsimonious has gotten you 6,520. Wow. How does Rayon Defenestrate <laughs> have <laughs> 1 insane. million results? All right. Emily, I don't think there's any way you can save this. Um, but it's your if go. I get if I get like astoundingly few, can we count it for like double? If points? you get none, if there's I get none. I I might be willing to let you win. <laughs> All right, hang on, hang on. I've thought of a strategy. Give me one second. I was just looking in a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> sort of looking in a very specific dictionary. Okay. Oh, this will be fun. This will be fun if the one result we get is us. My two words are Billingsgate and autoskediasm. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that. <laughs> All right, Kyle, I would uh, I would permit you to take the same approach. Yeah. 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 yeah I yeah, probably yeah. could have picked more obscure ones. I thought I'd go for the first two because that was just funny. I'm going to go with Ingordigis Bahuvrihi. All right. Let's find out how we did. I bet Kyle took that one, too. Let's find out. Let's find out. Let's find because out. Because Bahu Rihi is pretty niche. All right. Billingsgate Autoskediasm brings you to 1,180 results. 1,000. That's and pretty And Ingordigis Bahu Rihi takes you to 58. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> so there is decidedly a winner. Kyle, you've nice, won Kyle. the game. You've won the uh-huh. Google Whack game and grogan why don't you tell him what he's won sure thing seth for winning this Uh. google whack adventure you and seth will be going on an all-expense paid trip to applebee's you'll savor the familiar ambiance of your neighborhood applebee's with delicious choices including the applebee's signature southwest chicken irresistible or how about a seat at the bar with our dollarita dollar margaritas the fun never ends whatever your fancy you'll be fancy like applebee's on this date night. There are no specific bugs in the food. Wow, thanks, Grogan. Woo, looks like you and I are going to Applebee's, Kyle. <laughs> thanks, Grogan. We're going to go up that spiral staircase and we're not taking the elevator, all right? Uh, yeah, sounds oh. great. All right. Oh, can I take my kilk with me? Well, they serve it there now. It's just under the nice. guise of other soft drinks. Hey, <laughs> remember, you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast and on TikTok at Butter No Parsnips. And if you like today's episode, consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us. 
And if you really like today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout out either on social media or here on the podcast. So let's give our donors some thanks. Thank you to Heather B. Monica of Top Music. Lori M. Pensive Primate. Day D. Rob R. Jessica M. Fran I. Stephen I. Ronnie G. Topher R. Hannah B. Chris B. And Sarah C. Thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Seth Glicksman. I've been Emily Moyers. And I've been Kyle Imperator. And thank you to Grogan Artazoni for providing the prize-winning <laughs> announcement. <laughs> thank this you, Grogan. This has been Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Kyle Imperator, Emily Moyers, and myself, Seth Glicksman. The main and accompanying themes were composed by Kyle Imperator. Additional vocal stylings were provided by Grogan Artizoni at Hey Grogan, who I personally know can do a backflip.